So welcome to the fourth edition of the Women Advancing Privacy event. Today I'm here with Dr. Gabriela Zanfir Fortuna. She's the VP for Global, Global Privacy in the Future of Privacy Forum. And we are here today to talk about regulating AI from the perspective of the US and the EU. And we are going to talk also about the intersection between privacy, data protection and AI and how can we what can we make of this and how can we think of compliance, think of the challenges that are going to come. For those who don't know me, I'm Luisa Yarovsky. I'm a PhD researcher. I'm the author of the Privacy Whisper newsletter and also co-founder and CEO of Implement Privacy. If you want to get informed of the next Women of the Advancing Privacy event, please subscribe to the Privacy Whisper. You see the address in, under my name here on the screen. So let's start. Before uh, we talk specifically about AI regulation, let's talk about this connection, which is new. It's interesting to talk to talk about it in, in regulatory terms, this connection between AI and privacy. So we've in the last few months already, we've seen privacy professionals talking very fluently about AI and also because of the AI, AI Act is coming. So it's a popular term. If you open also the IAPP newsletter, you see very frequently, you see AI topics, the future of privacy forum talks a lot about AI. So all the big institutions in privacy are talking about AI, but it's still not clear what will be the role of the privacy professional, uh, how connected will be AI governance with privacy governance, Will the teams be working together? So today also I was talking with Gabriela. Today we have the, a, this, these two universes of AI and privacy. They move so fast. So today we have two big things happening in AI. So the IAPP was just announcing right now, I think one hour ago towards going an event. They have now an AI governance center within the IAPP, the International Association of Privacy Professionals. So they're launching a certification and training. So it really shows this connection of privacy and AI. And at the same time, there was a, a, a new vote in the AI Act. So the legislative process is advancing. So maybe we will have the AI, AI Act ready soon. So everything is, is coming up fast. So that's why we have this event also to discuss and to understand how privacy professionals can understand better AI and can uh, work together with AI professionals to solve the regulatory challenges. So I thought today about the, the three main areas that we are going to discuss are AI and private, the connection of AI and privacy first. Second would be AI regulation in the EU and then AI regulation in the US. So to be, so I was just introducing the topic of uh, this intersection, right, in between AI and privacy. So I, I thought about some questions that me and Gabriela are going to just openly discuss. Uh, if you have questions, I would ask you to hold it to the end. So I think it, it's better to for the discussion flow if we hold the questions to the end. But I think we, we can start talking. I, I think one of the first interesting questions we can discuss is the following. So there are some. Uh, AI is not new, is, is going on for more than a decade, probably in a, in a high speed. And some of the some AI challenges, they already have a solution uh, under the GDPR. And from what I see, and I constantly write about it in the, GDP, in, in the Privacy Whisper, there are some, some elements that are not being dealt well. That in the new AI applications, let's talk about ChatGPT and all the other blooming applications that are coming at complements of ChatGPT and AI for productivity, for functionality. I think we, we can improve a lot how we are uh, making these applications, these AI-based applications, GDPR compliant or data protection compliant overall. So I, I would like to hear Dr. Gabriela's opinion first. So what do you think? 
that are the issues, are current risks and challenges of AI that we could deal with existing laws. That we don't need even to think about AI Act. We can, we can deal with what we have now and maybe we are not doing it the best way right now. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Luisa, for uh, lining up this conversation. Uh, and uh, actually, the first big thanks go to you because you're doing this entire series on women leading privacy. And uh, I think this is uh, just, just a wonderful initiative that, that you had. So congratulations mm -hmm. for it and, and a big thank you. As for the topic of the day um, and your first question, how can we think about the link between data protection, privacy, and the developments in AI? How can we think about existing law that already applies to AI applications? Um, and, and what are some of the key ideas here? Let me take a couple of steps back and uh, just be sure to mention that what we're seeing right now in terms of the technology and where it's at uh, actually started to develop as an idea many, many years ago. So. Um, the first chatbots, or actually one of the first chatbots, because there may have been others that I'm not aware of, but one of the first chatbots was proposed in the 60s, the 1960s uh, in, in um, the US, uh, and it was created at MIT by a professor called, uh, named Joseph Weizenbaum. And uh, he created uh, this program called ELISA, um, uh, following, you know, Eliza Doolittle. And um, after he saw how his students interacted with the chatbot, um, which was replying, you know, it was using natural language processing, was replying to questions. Um, and he saw like the type of effects that technology had on his students. Uh, in his later years in life, he became a, a very big critic of an idea of general artificial intelligence and so forth. Why, and actually this a wonderful book, Computer Power and Human Reason by Joseph Weizenbaum, uh, where he explains uh, about some of his concerns. Uh, now, why am I mentioning this? I am mentioning, mentioning it because there were other things happening in the 60s and the 70s in the legislative sphere. So around the same time where the technology had these ideas uh, about what can computers do, what they uh, are potentially able to do in the future. At the same time, parliaments in the United States, in the Western European countries, um, were having very, very intense debates on what principles of law they can bring, what rules they should put in place to provide safeguards um, for individuals and their rights, for population, for people and their rights in the face of automated processing and computers. And from that debate, actually, we now have a whole new branch of law, data protection law and privacy law. And in that debate, uh, we had very, very valuable ideas. Uh, we had principles, you know, fair information practice principles that were developed back in the 70s. Um, and a lot of what they were discussing then actually survived through several waves of legislative initiatives up until today. Uh, and of course, the field took different types of lives uh, depending on the jurisdiction that it manifested. Now, this is very important to mention and I cannot emphasize enough 
that what is happening right now with the GDPR being applicable to um, computer systems like uh, generative AI um, and, and other types of AI applications is not uh, like a coincidence, you know? It's not something that's happening like, oh my God, did you see that actually these rules apply to this stuff? No, it was absolutely intentional. And it all starts with those, uh, let's say prehistoric debates in terms of privacy developments, right? In, in the 60s, the 70s. And um, I think it's very important to start any conversation from this point. I have like a bunch of quotes from some of the, I'm not going to mention them now, but there are like many books from back in the day uh, when these debates were happening. And I'm very happy to, uh, you know, write more uh, and then share some of this stuff uh, later on. Um, but what was really understood from those very beginnings of data protection law was that this is a field that might need to evolve together with how computers evolve. Right. So it was understood from the very beginning that we might actually see several generations of data protection law that will match the several, several generations of computing and computer power and the influence of computers on society. Uh, so I think this is where we should start from in terms of a debate. And this is why there is no coincidence that data protection law, particularly how it's been developed in the European Union, is actually very, very valid in the debate on AI. And, and I, I love, first, you see, everyone is seeing Gabriela is the encyclopedia of data protection. She brings, you gave us now a lecture of history. I didn't know this connection that coincidentally, the way data protection began was with a discussion involving a chatbot. So here we are. A few decades later, uh, still everybody hyped about the chatbot again. So it's it's a very interesting historical and philosophical also reflection. So in a more philosophical point of view, do you think that maybe what will happen is a certain convergence between data protection and AI policy or law, and maybe we would have we will have principles for regulating data, whatever AI or not AI. So maybe that's that's your your, your this... view for the future. Uh, this is what I think would be most logical in terms of historical development of, of the field. And this is what I personally, and I have to emphasize here that uh, what I'm um, reflecting now upon and my thoughts are reflective just of myself as, as, a, as an expert in data protection law, and they don't reflect the um, opinions or positions of my organization. Um, so this is what I personally hope to see. And I think that if all of the privacy professionals, data protection officers, privacy compliance uh, folks would stop for a second and look beyond the trees of compliance to see the bigger forest, uh, they, would they would see and would understand, for example, that one of like the most impactful branch of computer science uh, research for, uh, towards AI and fair fairness in the past, let's say, 10 years, fairness, accountability, and the fairness, accountability, and transparency movement around the uh, FACT conference, um, for example. Well, if you're just like thinking about it and open your eyes, you have there, what do you have? Fairness accountability and transparency. What are these three? They are like principles of how you should be processing personal data uh, in automated systems. 
it's it's just it's right there you just need people to spend time on doing the mapping and on understanding where exactly the current rules related to data protection and all of these principles could have fractures in uh, protection towards uh, the people, the rights, and, and you know society, and come and intervene there, like um, targeted um, in, in in there. But to my mind, the connection is absolutely there, and uh, we should just spend time as opposed to coming up with a whole new thing on. AI per se, spend time to match the two. Particularly in the European Union, I cannot emphasize enough how important this is because in the European Union, we're not only talking about the GDPR as an act of data protection law and all of its rules. Um, we are also talking about a fundamental right in the EU Charter uh, of Fundamental Rights. And for our American uh, colleagues joining now, this is similar to the a Bill of Rights, uh, but for the EU. And we have one article there saying that the processing of, like every, every person has the right to the protection uh, for the processing of their personal data. Uh, so the personal data protection right is in the charter. Some of the rights of the data subject like access and correction, which is like the correction right, that's going to be very interesting to see how it works with the uh, generative AI, that they are in paragraph two of that uh, fundamental level um, of protection in the charter in article eight. Uh, and an independent supervisory authority is also part of that fundamental right in paragraph three uh, of, of article eight of the charter. Now, everything that we will be um, legislating on and bringing on from the legal policy world towards this new technology will need to fit within that constitutional level of fundamental right in the EU. Uh, I can also confidently say that it's not only the EU which is in this position. Brazil amended its constitution uh, last year to include a constitutional right to the protection of personal data in the constitution. Mexico has a similar right in its constitution, if I remember correctly. So uh, I think think we have to take all of this seriously, even if we are developing new laws that specifically target AI, those laws would need to fit within this constitutional level type of protection that personal data and the pricing of personal data um, have. I think we are, we are going to talk more about that uh, a little bit further. Uh, it's a great point about the, the, the how also the IEC, the connection with uh, human rights, and they are trying to make the bridge. So I think it's it's a great point to, to stop just now here. I think some of the points I'd like to bring also. So let's think. I I, I post a lot about it. Let's let's think about privacy by design. And and I commented. Let's take the 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 ChatGPT example. So they recently made available the incognito mode, whatever you can uh, browse without having your data being used for training. This is, isn't it basics? Shouldn't it be from the beginning or uh, like a, a basic feature or now, and there's also other issues that I think, so we were talking about, so things that this, there is now a hype around their AI. So everyone wants to learn about these new tools. People are, are scared of losing their jobs and entrepreneurs, they want to 
to go with the hype, of course, that, that's where the flow is. So they're developing new applications for all professionals, for your, all types of users. And with the hype, with this anxiety to launch and to make money, sometimes you forget about basics of fundamental rights and data protection. So that's what, what I've been observing. And, and as part of my question was also, so why, why don't we start from what we have? So first, privacy by design. Those basic features, so consent, transparency, when you have a, a product, any product, you should be clear, transparent. How is data being collected? How is data being used? Article 13, 14, so GDPR, it's there. So in the hype, we sometimes forget, and, and ChatGPT, it's a monster. They, they were basically, in practice, acquired by Microsoft. Why don't pay attention and be upfront about data? So they, they waited for Italy and Germany to, the, the data protection authorities to be more, uh, let's say, firm and say, hey, we, we are, you're banned in Italy, and then they start taking some action. So why not from the beginning? So this is what caused gets my attention. So why not from the beginning? Privacy by design is there. It's not something new, and they could be upfront about that. Also something that I think are open questions, and we are not sure. I think nobody knows yet if it's possible or not. For example, principles such as data minimization, purpose limitation, the ability to withdraw consent. Will it be any ever possible to do data minimization? How do you train a model without using? So now I see that Sam Altman was saying about that, that we don't need larger models. So those are, maybe the, those are more difficult questions because is it possible to build uh, efficient AI with uh, preserving purpose limitation? So it's different. So all those foundational models, is it possible to keep purpose limitation? Uh, also, some notes, transparency, accuracy. So there are those hallucinations. I know uh, AI professionals don't like the term hallucination. So when there, there's a very high rate of mistakes, errors, when the, there is just a, a language model. So there will be false information. So data protection has a principle of accuracy. The, if there is the personal data, there should be accurate. So we are going to discuss that for So reputational harm, if you, if you, by some reason they mentioned the, 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 the chat, chat GPT mentioned the name of a person with a totally wrong bio and maybe something offensive. What about accuracy? What about the right of the person to say, this is not accurate. I want to withdraw, I want to take my information out. Is it ever possible? So I think these are complex, I think, the same very smart entrepreneurs that can build amazing AI tools, they, I think, I'm sure they are, they can make maybe AI tools to fix data protection issues, but maybe they are not interested because it's, it's not, uh, the monetization is not so good as helping people to make summaries or Excel sheets. So, but I think there are many uh, questions regarding data protection and AI with these new applications that come with the hype, also accountability or how, so let's say that there, there have been cases of uh, accusations of sexual misconducts. Uh, and there was a person that the, the, the chat bot said that he had committed a sexual assault and he had not. So what is his, how, 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 what's the accountability of the developers? So who is to blame here? Is the, the chat is to blame, the developer is to blame, the, the engineer that forgot to do the to delete personal data. So I think those are all, uh, I don't know if you have something to, 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 to add to, to this point. I think it, for me, it fascinates me because I think it's basics and I, I don't see anyone uh, investing yeah. money. On it. I, it, it also fascinates me. Uh, what fascinates me is how, you know, after five years of the GDPR, uh, we don't have a more serious approach to applying these basic principles to the very complex 
automated processing involving personal data that are happening. So um, you are absolutely right to point out how all of these principles and rules are very much relevant to this discussion. And you're also absolutely right to point out that there are tensions, there are clear tensions. Um, even let's say that we can solve the data minimization issue by, uh, you know, perhaps limiting the, the training uh, data sets uh, in a way or another. Um, uh, how do we solve the purpose limitation issue when we're talking uh, about general purpose AI? I mean, it's in the name of it, right? General purpose AI. Can we mm -hmm. then, but my, uh, my uh, ask for everyone that's working in, in the space is to at least ask themselves these questions and actually treat them seriously and trying to identify some 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 solutions. For example, um, you train the general purpose AI and you use the purpose of uh, you know training the general purpose AI, but then uh, make sure that perhaps how the general purpose AI is used further, you know, you will have clarity about that purpose. I mean, you know, the further purpose uh, where the um, general purpose AI will be used as part of uh, another technology or service or another solution. Um, as for data protection by design and by default, it's, I, I, I was gobsmacked to see how much this article 25 in the GDPR was ignored by almost everyone. Uh, after the GDPR became applicable. And back in 2017, 2018, um, myself and two of my, three of my very good friends, uh, Irene Kamara, Lina Jasmantaide, and uh, Stefano Leucci, we wrote an article um, published in the European Data Protection Law Review on Article 25, Data Protection by Design and by Default. And we included a statement saying that the entire weight of the GDPR stays on the stands on the shoulders of article 25 because article 25 obliges legally obliges whoever is building systems uh, that involve processing of personal data to think about how can they ensure minimization how can they ensure a channel for people to ask access about their data uh, and to be very very thoughtful from the design stage and then also throughout the life cycle of their new product or service or technology uh, on how to respond to some of these principles. But of course, it was one of the more complicated articles, right, of the GDPR, not like the language, very convoluted, doesn't really help. And uh, unfortunately, we are, you know, at a place, in a place where it was not um, actually being applied that much as far as I can tell. And uh, I'll finish here, but by plugging that um, uh, my colleagues uh, at the Future of Privacy Forum in the Europe office have looked into 160 data protection authority decisions and court, court cases, court judgments in the EU on the application of Article 25. And we do have a report coming out uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so uh, keep that in mind. Nice. I, I would love to share it when it's ready. Very important. I, I'm a fan. So claps to Dr. Anne Kavokian. I think it all began with her. She was a guest here uh, two months ago. Privacy by design. I have also criticisms in the way it was translated into law. If you if you look at her principles and every feel, every type of action it entails and you look at how it was translated, it's a, a mismatch. But I, I think 
Yeah. And sometimes corporations and they hire lawyers and the lawyers, they know that whatever they fix in what's, uh, they know all the lawyers know what is what's is privacy by design and they know the principles, but they will fix in what's written there, which is much more, as I said, difficult to understand and to apply. So uh, and now a question kind of opposite of uh, for the last uh, question in this uh, session of privacy and AI, this intersection. So do you think that these new applications in this boom, in this layoffs, is really recent, the last month, so this boom, did they bring new issues that, new data protection issues that we don't have laws to tackle or no? You think everything is already there? Did, did you see from, from the recent, if you just open Twitter or LinkedIn, you will just see AI, AI, AI. So we have examples from what's happening, prompts people are putting or bias or uh, issues, privacy issues. So did you see something that you, you think it's it deserves a new reading or, or something that the GDPR or existing laws do not cover or no, you think it's false and it covers? Uh, so let me start by saying that um, whether it covers it well or badly or just inefficiently, it's a matter of, um, you know, like thinking about it. But the reality is that the GDPR as it is right now covers everything that happens with personal data in an automated process. So all of those rules are applicable. Now, we can think about whether, you know, what would be their real life uh, applicability, um, everything considered, and you've highlighted all of the tension points very well in your uh, previous intervention. Um, I don't think that we should uh, just uh, stop thinking about how the current rules are applicable in an effective way to protect to protect rights and individuals uh, and um, interests of individuals. Um, and I think there are clear visible tensions between some of the existing rules as they are uh, drafted right now and um, AI systems, particularly generative AI um, and uh, general purpose AI, other general purpose AI. Uh, correction, the right to obtain correction is one that you absolutely very well highlighted. And I think this is going to be a very, very interesting uphill battle um, to be able to provide in a way or another a form of this right. But this is also one of the most difficult to solve because the right to have your data corrected and kept up to date is actually part as uh, the fundamental right to the protection of personal data under the EU Charter. So at least within the jurisdiction of the European Union, uh, where Article 8 is available, something, something is got to give, right? And the solution that we've temporarily seen in the whole Garante ChatGPT uh, case was that um, OpenAI is providing uh, an opportunity to delete incorrect data. Uh, of course, so they're applying the right of erasure, right? If data is incorrect, uh, does not respect accuracy, it's therefore the processing uh, does not respect the GDPR, therefore you can obtain erasure. Um, so the solution until now is that, okay, you cannot like correct what's wrong, they actually specifically state in their uh, reply to Garante that uh, correction is not possible as a technical um, possibility right now. 
but they do offer erasure. So at least a person that finds themselves uh, with a uh, mixed bag of a uh, curriculum vitae <laughs> in uh, uh, ChatGPT, at least they can remove that information. So the false information is not propagated, even if the information is not actually um, corrected. So this is clearly attention. Um, I would absolutely love to see research and researchers digging into how we can uh, go to the next level of data protection law to be able to tackle all of this. Another area where I would spend a lot of time and attention would be the um, distribution of responsibilities. We operate in data protection law with controllers and processors. Now, uh, that might be uh, either a too simplistic approach uh, in relation to AI, or maybe like an in, just a general ineffective uh, approach. Um, so this could also be something where uh, some further so uh, thought should be uh, required. Not to mention that Article 25 actually is not applicable to processors. It's applicable just to controllers. But then of course, when a company builds uh, like a general purpose AI, they're the controller when they're using personal data to build it. Um, and then they become processors if you know, they maintain uh, the use of it while that one is, uh, the general purpose AI is a component of another pricing activity uh, by a deployer or a user as the EU AI Act is, is uh, cataloging it right now. Maybe this is a segue to go to the next part. Interesting. I, I didn't have uh, the, the processor controller thing. I did not have thought about that. So very interesting point. I would add, so in my research, my PhD, I talk a lot about dark patterns in UX. So based on that, uh, recently I developed this proposed definition for dark patterns in AI. And I think there are data protection issues connected to it. So I've been writing about it at the Privacy Whisper. So think with me. So as you said on Twitter, it's it's a community brainstorm. So this, this is something I think it, it's bad. It's happening. It has a data protection effects, negative effects, and it's not being dealt. So I propose that dark patterns in AI would be two situations. So AI tools, first, two, two examples. So first one would be deep fakes. So it would be AI tools that create fake reality. So let's say they are very precise. So a deep fake videos would be one example. So false appearance, some a video or an image that looks looks true, but is not true. And the second example of uh, the uh, dark pattern AI would be impersonation. Would be, for example, those AI companions. So an AI chatbot that it's is uh, marketed as a companion someone that you can develop an amorous relationship or a friend for life that it is uh, perhaps it, people know but that it's a chatbot but the way the things because it's targeted to sometimes to vulnerable populations children people with mental illness it will easily people will start feeling that there is a human uh, in the other side so what's the, so the, those would be dark patterns in AI and how do I see the, the relationship with data protection and I, th I think there is a problem there and it's already happening and, and we don't don't have tools to deal with it so let's think about deep fakes if you open Twitter at any time so mid journey and dull either of pictures and videos every time right of presidents hugging themselves enemies hugging or scenes if you uh, have right? the thread on for you and I I, I 
the mistake of like turning on the for you like thread for a couple of minutes. And I'm like, oh my god! So no, then I was you can do with deep fake is getting mid journey every new version. It's more precise and it's impossible to distinguish fake from reality. So what if you use a deep fake video or a deep fake image to manipulate a person to share data? So it would be analogous to a manipulation in UX, but it's a deeper manipulation through video or to image to, to scam or to collect data. How do you, especially in the GDPR, what's the tool you have? I'm not sure if you can say fairness, you can say consent is the principles of consent. I'm not sure it's properly covered also because major is, is not illegal. People are using it everywhere. So those fake images and deep fakes people are using for marketing for fun. And also like like replica, the example of the AI companion. So uh, Italia, the garant is going strong. Say so they also banned replica. They said it's dangerous. I'm not sure it's already back if replica did something. So replica is this AI companion that is if you open the website, I wrote about it at the privacy 